Hey, buddy. It's Kiss. You trying to be funny? Trying to be funny-er? Trying to be funny with like a north side, very specific Chicago group of people? Well, uh, then go ahead and take some classes over at Second City. They are sponsoring this week's episode of Ergo. You can add some funny to your weekly routine with an eight-week improv writing or stand-up class at Second City's training center. If you use the code FUNNYPOD, you get 15% off your improv level A, writing one, or stand-up 101 class. The new session starts January 1st. Go to secondcity.com slash TC or call 312-664-3959 to register and uh, get on that Second City stage. Enjoy the show. Well, hello. Hello. This is Ergo, WHBK, ErgoRadio.com. I'm Kiss. I am Damon. And uh, what we do here is live, long-form conversations with artists, organizers, space makers, creators, folks reshaping the culture of our city and world for the more equitable and the more creative. I am Kiss. Did I say that already? You did, but, you know, I'm let, still the people, let the people know. Uh, how are you feeling today, Damon? I'm all right. How's your toe? Um... I just feel like that's what the people need. That, that we do need to update them. Uh, it had been feeling pretty good. I was, I was starting like, man, I should just go back out there and put on a shoe. Uh, but the last like 36 hours, I've been concerned that like there's some stiffness or soreness or something. Mm. I don't know. I don't know. It's a tough thing. It is. It's a tough thing to know when to when to, when to shoe it up. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, we have some community announcements, and if you can get a shoe on, you should come through. That's the thing. Like, I'm trying to go to some of the things. Well, there's a lot of good things. And I kind of want to have two shoes. <laughs> but I also enjoy the conversation starter and mm-hmm. the sympathy. So Who doesn't love a little sympathy? You know, your DJ empathy, I'm bringing the sympathy. <laughs> MC sympathy. Yeah, MC. <laughs> For those of you who are sympathetic, here's what we got going on over the next uh, few days. Tonight, that's Thursday night at uh, Bill, uh, well, before that. Oh, there's other things. At Bill Coffee, uh, Real Shy Youth, which is the newsroom at uh, Free Spirit Media, is doing a public newsroom, part of City Bureau's series over there. Um, and then later, at Lincoln Hall, yes. Ergo alum, Joseph Chilliams has a headlining show. Yes. And uh, I'm going to be there. Are you going to be there? I am going to be there. Also on that bill is Ergo alums Mother Nature. So there's going to be some of the best rapping that you could get. And Tunde Olani Ran, who's the other act who I saw perform. Uh, they're from, like, I think from Flint. I saw them perform in Detroit as part of Allied Media Conference. Mm. Uh, they're incredible, too. So definitely come through. Tickets are like 10 bucks. also. It's going to be a great show. Do that. Um, and then tomorrow night, there's a whole bunch of stuff going on. Um yeah. First and foremost, uh, David Ellis, Ergo alum, and uh, friend and fam has his birthday show. Happy birthday. At Breathing Room. I will be DJing it. Are you going to be there, Dame? No pressure. I, I am going to be there. I got to like, open up. I, uh, I, I may even offer my hosting services. Okay. Is what All right. I was thinking, but I didn't text him. Well, if you want to see sympathy and empathy in the same place, <laughs> I'm going to try to make this a thing. <laughs> Come through. And it's, it's free donation at the door if you are so inclined and a whole bunch of great folks on that show. Also... Uh, for the People Artist Collective has uh, their new show opening at Hairpin. It's called Do Not Resist uh, with a question mark. 50 years of police violence in Chicago. Um, and if you can't make that, make it to the opening tomorrow night, Friday night, that show will be up for a little while. Also, there's a show at Sub T, uh, the Pachango 
Friday night with uh, Ergo alums Jose Olivares, Kaina Castillo, and Lester Ray, as well as the wonderful DJ Coochie Fruit, all performing uh, tomorrow night. If I wasn't DJing at Breathing Room, that's where I would be. And then on Tuesday, Ergo alum AJ Christian uh, is giving a talk about Open TV at Museum of Contemporary Art. You should make sure, and especially if you're interested in learning how to make TV and web series, that's a great place to get a little bit of knowledge about how to do that. And then two last things. Uh, it's a, a couple weeks from now, but for our New York listeners, which is actually our second most listened in city. Oh, shout out. Didn't know that. Check you out with the stats. Uh-huh. Yeah, yeah. No worries. DJ we're, Analytics. We're... <laughs> um, we are co-hosting a conference at Sarah Lawrence called the Art Liberation Summit. Uh, there's going to be a whole bunch of great workshops and panels and talks throughout the day. And then the keynote, Eve Ewing will be talking and giving a reading, and then we'll be facilitating the Q&A. Um, it's free and open to the public. If you're interested, let me know. Uh, we also have shared the the link for that on our socials, so you can find that at Ergo Radio. And then lastly, um, I put together a little Spotify playlist Check for the people. Uh, let Go Volume 3, uh, the Work It Out edition. For whatever you need to work out in your life. It could be your body. It could be your relationships. It could be your spirit. It could be the world. Uh, you can catch that. Again, it's in on our Instagram and Twitter and everything like that. But also, if you just search my name, Daniel Kisslinger, on Spotify, that'll come up. Anything else you want to throw in there? Uh, for the few, I feel like this is something that people need a little bit of heads up on. I know February 12th. Uh, Asada's Daughters is having a fundraiser. Mm -hmm. I know Hanif is going to be there. I know Eve is going to be there. I feel like one to two other of our friends yeah. is going to be there. Uh, look that That's up. That's at Volumes Book Cafe Something in uh, like Wicker that. Park. Yeah, yeah but right I know it's the 12th. Mm -hmm. uh, oh, also the 15th at Breathing Room, which is MLK Day, uh, having a little uh, community tribe day to discuss this uh, upcoming year as Breathing Room is going to be a hub of the Envisioning Justice uh, series that's happening throughout the city. So specifically, if you connect it to Back of the Yards in Inglewood or just generally in resistance to the carceral state, state violence, the, the bullshit, basically. Uh, come rock with us. What up, FCC? We starting early. Uh, come rock with us. I believe at five in the evening-ish, uh, MLK Day, the 15th of January. Let's get to it. The community has been announced. It has been announced. What up, community? And now we can get to our very special very guest. Very special. She is the warmest soul that I know in the city of Chicago. I'm so excited to have this dancer and choreographer and space maker and educator here. Folks, make some noise for Tangie Harper. What up? So... Um, you make me sound so awesome. Well, no, you make you sound well, so awesome. So, so every week we gas folks up That's and, so and we use the adjective about why it is uh, special to have them up here. This is one of those like honored, wow. right? Like it is, it is, it is an honor to have you up here. Similar to like how I felt when we had like Jacinda and Jaquanda up here from Kumba Links. Those like, are my like, sisters. You know, it, it, I, I am, I am happy to be in your presence and grateful for what you provide. So let's Thank get you. this thing started Absolutely. as we like to with a two part question. All right. In this time, so whether that's the season, the day, the week, the month, however you define time of now, mm -hmm. uh, how is the world treating you and how are you treating the world? Hmm. That is a two-part question. It is. All right. That is true. Um, how, got, is the world, <laughs> how is the world treating me? Uh, the world is has been really open lately, uh, especially 2017. It was hard in a lot of ways for a lot of us, uh, but I also saw a lot of opportunity and I saw a lot of change and I saw a lot of um, doors opening in ways that I got excited about. Mm. So 
I would say that the world is actually, as far as work and um, opportunities and creativity is concerned, is wide open hmm. and uh, inspiring. That's exciting. It is. It is. Uh, I will say uh, sometimes family-wise and personally, I've gone through a lot um, over the last couple weeks. Um, I think the world is also teaching me to let some things go, some people go. So that's also a hard lesson sometimes, especially when you're a nurturer and you're somebody that gives yeah. and is constantly um, trying to make sure that everybody who's under you is is coming up. Mm-hmm. There is a point for every mentor and every educator where you have to let your students go or you have to let the people that you work with go so that they can ascend and continue to do what it is that they need to do for their own visions and their own lives. And um, that can be bittersweet. Sometimes it's easy to do so. Sometimes it's cool. Sometimes it's great. And you're like proud of these kids. And other times it's like, I'm done messing with you move on with your life. You know what I mean? There was nothing else I can offer you in this space. And there's been a couple of those that have been kind of hard lately. So in all honesty, um, yeah. a bit of push and pull as far as how the world is treating me. Yeah. So let's, as, as much or as little yeah, as you want to, yeah. yeah, but this is, you know, it makes sense to me that when in this very vague question, that that's the, the direction you go, yeah. because I know these, these are the types of questions and thoughts that you take very seriously. I do. And, and really pride yourself in. And it's like how I was introduced to you are yeah. by the young people who you have, like affected and helped grow. So in that process, yeah. and you don't have to get into the specifics of the people and all the instances if you don't want, but as much or as little as you want to share, just on a personal level, how does it feel going through that? What are some lessons you've learned from going through that in the past? Yeah. Uh, I would say definitely that um, the, the, the greatest gift that you can give or the greatest gift you can get out of working with youth is seeing them, go beyond you and transcend and become more than what you even envisioned for them. Mm -hmm. Um, You you spoke of Kaina and she's a perfect example of somebody that when I met her at nine or 10 years old, um, she was very shy, awkward kid. And she may have wanted to sing back then, but she was terrified to do so. So she didn't, she danced instead. And she got really good at that. And that's how her and I got the bond that we have now. Um, But at her senior year, she wanted to do other things. She wanted to try something else. And as close as we were, um, I don't, manifest the love that I have for that girl if I don't let her do what is in her to do and coincidentally what was in her to do was head straight for um louder than a bomb and LTAB and YCA and that was great for me also because they are just as nurturing they are amazing group of people um I too like to frequent that space because they offer so much to the young people that they touch and so she was she was flourishing again and and everything that she wanted to do with music started to come to her and she met everyone that she needed to meet. And now she is opening and headlining and, and doing everything that yeah. I never thought she would. She you also know? just like crowdsourced yeah. the support to open for Kelly Uchis. Come on Saturday. And she got it. <laughs> she got it. It's incredible. She got Very it. Impressive. She got it. Asha She's incredible. I thought it was before. There was a great clip of when we had Kaina up here talking about you unless he's about to surprise me no i don't know no i'll put it in the podcast i do have a very funny clip of you for later oh <laughs> okay we'll, we'll get to that That's but fun. but but yeah i think um you know we we i i don't know if if you like if we've like been formally formally super introduced but we've shared space yes uh not as much into me but like I, i've seen how you interact with the kids and also seen how like you are evoked in terms of the, the legacy that you that's are starting crazy. to establish. So that's why, you know, I start with, with an honor yeah. as we are in this world or as this show is, a, you know, trying to figure out the parts of world changing. Um, you are having great impact. And I want to kind of start 
personally. Yes. Because I don't know if you're aware of this, mm. but Amir Leonard is my first cousin. Oh, no, I did not know that. Yeah. So, I did not know that. <laughs> What's the connection? So, oh. so uh, Amir has been with, with the club, which we on. also need to get into the story yeah, of for folks do. who don't we know. Got yeah, we, we got an hour, so so stay patient. But but we're going to start with what's important. Shout yeah. out to, to Shout Amir. out to Amir Leonard. Hey, <laughs> but baby he's been with the club for probably about like four or five years. Yeah, I think he's working up on year four now. We met him at the Winter Block Party at... For YCA. And he was there and he was just like this little kid that was freestyling and he was kind of watching the Happiness Club participate in that event. And then afterwards, him and his mom came up and said, um, I want to join. And I'm, I'm, a, I'm, I was there. That's... I'm boy thirsty. Yeah. You feel me? Like yeah. young men, especially young men of color. Um, I shouldn't even say young men of color, just young men, period. Because don't show me a little white boy who's got nothing but spunk and energy <laughs> wants to be down i'll snatch him up immediately i just did shout out to writer um i got plenty of them but like shout just, out to the spunk shout out to writer dude shout out to gabe all my all my young white, white boys, boys with moxie white boys with moxie <laughs> white boys who ain't scared i love it wbwm i love it um and they and they and they are so genuine always and so the young men it's really important for me to have young guys that are around that that want to do better that want to be better and amir is just He's flourishing, dude. Like he, when he first came, you know, he was um, he's never been a shy kid. But he's introverted. He's a little bit. Yeah. Not now. <laughs> Not now. Not now. Um, funniest story I have of Amir is we just did Magnificent Mile, which is a huge um Chicago mm-hmm. event that happens on our Mag Mile down here where we light the trees uh for the holidays. And we have an after party that we go to that we're invited to that's specifically for everybody who volunteered for Mag Mile. And we went and Happiness Club performed, and after it was over. Uh, they let us kind of like just take over the rest of the party. <laughs> Which y'all can do. Which we totally can do. <laughs> and uh, my dad was DJing and there were some little kids in the audience. So my dad goes, you guys want to play the Frozen song for the kids? And they put on the Frozen song and Amir and a Johnny, who is one of his best friends now, mm-hmm. that they're both in the club, grabbed the microphones and they ad-libbed <laughs> over Frozen. <laughs> in the most ratchet way I could ever <laughs> I mean, it was literally just like, what, what, yeah, what, what, mind you, she's, um, like, waka, let waka, it go, waka. let it go, what, what, yes, what, back and forth across the stage, and we taped it, and we were in tears, crying, oh, I have like, to see this. the entire audience could not believe what they were watching, like, it was oh, the most ratchet thing I've so ever funny. seen. So, so we can move past Amir quickly, but, uh, he's the homie, though. I'm like, I'm, I'm kind of want to, I'm wanting to, like, play this as Sunday dinner for him, you know, because, because <laughs> it's been really great to see what the club has been in his life and like yeah. kind of the most dynamic social force and seeing even outside of it, how it's like he is, he is shaping his identity. He just turned 15. So a story that like really touches me uh, that I just want to thank you for a moment. That was like, it's going to be a lasting part of my life. He just turned 15 in yes. December. Um, and so surprise party. Yeah. At the breathing room, we had a surprise party for him. Uh, and so it was just amazing to see like this group, uh, first of all, some college students were back. So yeah. like, to have friends that were like genuinely his friend, it wasn't like they were like sunning him no. that were from his age up to about 19, yeah. to maybe even 21 yeah. um, there. And they kept the surprise. They went him all weekend mm-hmm. and they were break away. The only one who almost gave it away was my stupid son. <laughs> Alan, I love you, but he almost gave it away. He walked but, up to him at one point and was like, yeah, so at the party later. And everybody was like, Alan. He was like, never mind. And walked away, you know, tried to play it off. We were like, so, you idiot. So even though you weren't there, the two things. Surprise parties. Are that, that, it, one, it was the best surprise I've ever seen for anybody in yeah. life. And the two things that, like, I felt, 
I felt uh, the pouring in of, and I yeah. kind of felt your legacy in your absence. That's so nice. Was one, just how much like love was poured into him in a way that like may seem uncomfortable for young people. And then two, how free they were. Because the fact that they are dancers, right? Yes. Like, the thing that happens at the high school party or the under, chaperone party is everyone sits on the couches and stands along Not the Not my kids. From the surprise till the playlist was over, it was nonstop movement. It was nonstop dancing. It yeah. was just really, really... I was broken toe and all, just oh. sitting there. Uh, just, you were the kid on the yeah. side. <laughs> I was. You were yeah. the introvert. I was the one on my phone. That's amazing. Uh, just really in love with seeing these young, mostly black, yeah. you know, might have been all black kids actually that night. Yeah. yeah. All, you know, black kids on the South Side, safe or yes. protected and just like really living freely and pouring into my family. So my grandmother was there, his parents were there, my sister. Oh, see, was now there. I feel bad because they yeah. told me to come and I was like, I'm not coming to a 15 year old's <laughs> party. I'm grown. Y'all not going to have no fun with me there. Like, no, you guys go. Yeah. So, so now so, I went. So I, so I, I want to say, Thank you for that, for what you poured into my family. You are um, so welcome, and, 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 it, and it is really, it is really having impact that is visible. And God. thinking about all the kids who are in the, who have been in the Happiness Club and who have had similar impacts. Let's I'm get sure. to that young biography. Yeah. yeah. So, <laughs> first of all, for those who don't know, we're gonna make you do the like little elevator pitch, like cool. for the, you know. For, for the funders out there, what is Happiness Club? <laughs> uh, for the funders, the Happiness Club is a youth performance group and arts and education program. So basically, that's our tag. Uh, what it breaks down to is a social club for young kids. It's it's uh, a place where they can come and hone their artistic skills because we have professionals who are dancers and choreographers, songwriters, musicians, and um rappers and so we try to help them with every aspect of that if you want to sing we've got free singing lessons for you with miles kaminsky shout out miles who is a music teacher at lane tech uh, and a songwriter and a musician himself he's incredible uh, leah violet is an artist who came up through the happiness club and now she's a professional artist and singer she is a vocal coach with us um, jc hopkins one of the best choreographers and dancers in the city did not come up through the Happiness Club, but came up through After School Matters, which we can also go through because I'm heavy with that organization as well. Uh, he is on on the squad as well as far as instruction. Myself, the artistic director, I've been dancing and choreographing my whole life. Uh, Brandy Ford is my assistant. She sort of helps on both ends. And we are taking in young people in and around Chicago because you can be from the suburbs as well. We're not, we're not shading the suburbs in any way. Uh, oh wow! I know suburbs right? gets a lot of shade. Suburbs does get they get shade. They get. Shade. I mean, we still we shade them deserve. like you're not from the city. Like don't don't run that. But we um, they built the shade, you know. So but get the shade. But we take you. You know, we we're all for that Evanston Skokie life and wherever you might be from. If you um, we got some people from Hoffman Estates. Um, and those are some long drives, so that yeah. commitment means a lot as well. Like this if, is the perfect time to play this clip that I have, which ooh, I'm gonna put in. I'm I, scared. It's purely because I found it funny. Okay, <laughs> there it doesn't further the conversation. But it's, it's just. It's, it's just the right time. So the precursor is I was in prepping for the interview, watching some other interviews from you. And this is from 2013, some event that you did. And it's like oh the God. worst quality recording. But the way that you say this is so funny to me. So, <laughs> so enjoy Young this. secondary sources. Uh -huh. <laughs> I like it. Here we go. Okay, go ahead. So our group is made up of uh, every demographic. I've got kids that are in trouble. I've got single family homes. I've got both parents in the homes. I have uh, little white children. I have Asians. I have black. It's a hugely diverse group on purpose so that we can reach every kind of kid. 
I just love it. So, <laughs> so that's the unfiltered. Yeah, that was just such straight IT mode right it's there. Really we got all the kids. God knows where I was. We got, we got Asians. <laughs> I have no idea if I was drinking at that point. Um, but yeah, that's me. That's, vote yes. that's me unfiltered right there. Oh like, who's in this group? You know, also, I got everybody. I got everybody. I got, I got all the babies. I got all the babies. Bring me all your babies. It was from 2013. It was 2013. But it looked like it was recorded on a phone from 2004. It was incredible. It could have been. I feel like that might have been that multiple oh, I can't even say the word multiple sclerosis walk we did one year and um Steve Harvey was out there that's absolutely what it was it had to be Steve Harvey in the because I remember <sighs> this woman coming up to me and interviewing me from some AM station with her her little dictaphone yeah, yeah, yeah. and she was shaking the whole time <laughs> and it was a long day and I had been out there for a while and um it was an all-day thing and I, I think we did sneak some some libations on that. Man, <laughs> drinks and a walk. Yeah. I mean, it's long day. We had enough water. So I think we had wine and some sports bottles that no one knew about. Yeah, that's the move. And then afterwards, yeah, she was like, let's talk. And I was like, okay. That was the time. That was bad. So I, I, I'm willing to go further, but we can also leave it at this. But it must be said. Boo, Steve Harvey. Yeah, I mean, you know. So. I'm a, <laughs> look a at me. Yeah. I'm going to go like, uh. You know, I'm gonna pray for everybody. Yeah, we can leave the it world. there. <laughs> Let's just pray for all of the people who want to make a difference <laughs> and pray that they start. Let's just do more. Let's do more. That's all. Just do more, guys. Do more. See, that was that was the the the, the mature like diplomatic teacher, way to, way do, to things. do it. You know, because you never know. Homie could call and want me to be on yeah, the show, and then yeah, I gotta go yeah, because right, he's the right, stepping right, stone right. to Ellen, and that is where I'm going. <laughs> I'm going to I get to see, Ellen. I can see that. Oh my Definitely. gosh, Definitely. I'm going to get to her. Like yeah, she yeah, is yeah. the woman that needs to see the club, that needs to meet those kids. That is um, perfect because she does all that dancing. Right, she loves right, it. Right, yeah, you can't yeah, tell me yeah. she wouldn't love it. Ellen, I know you're a regular listener. Call us up. Make it happen. Come on. Hit the jack. Come on. I mean, I know I gotta go like YouTube famous first, but I just gotta find the right niche. To make me go viral, mm-hmm. and um, and then I'll speak straight to her. I'll just mm-hmm. be like, "Ellen, bring me out." G. What do you think? What do you think is your highest odds of going viral? Type thing. Like, uh, what, what What are y'all gonna do that that you're like? This might put us over the top. I don't know. I think it's it might be something with the kids where um, I've been thinking about starting to maybe interview and show footage of us out, and maybe interview some of the kids um, that used to be in the group. And see what happens if we can catch some attention with uh, how famous some of these people have gotten, mm-hmm. you know, with the Kainas and uh, Miguel Antonios, who's in L.A. And he's like one of the top choreographers. And he used to be in the group. Jack Red was in the Happiness Club. Mm-hmm. Like we got so many people that are like making moves, making huge moves mm-hmm. and are all over the place that there's got to be a way for me to, you know, tie that in and make that merry-go-round spin off its axis. I don't know. Here's what you got to do. You make a uh, some sort of dance challenge, but that's not going to do it. You have to make a documentary about the dance challenge because no dance is is successful until there's a documentary. Until there's a documentary, a about, documentary it. about it. We might have to do that. <laughs> We're gonna find something. I gotta find something that's gonna catch her attention, and I know it has to do with the dancers and the young kids too because she loves them. Mm-hmm. So like maybe it's just Joey. Maybe I just get my daughter. Mm-hmm. And just I don't know. Joey's going viral. Joey's gonna memory. go viral. <laughs> She's incredible. So She's let's incredible. let's get into it uh, a little bit. You gave the the funder spiel. You gave but, the funder spiel. But on the like in your heart version what is the happiness club to you what role does it serve for you uh it started out as like a job you know it was um back in 2000 this is 18 years now that i've been doing the happiness club and after school matter so when my son was born this was uh for me it started out as a way to continue dancing because i just wanted to find a way to make money and still dance and not give up on my dream just because i was you know having a kid and uh finding that was a a godsend sort of blessing because often my phone just rings and that's something that I want to encourage 
um, young people who are looking for opportunities is, is if you're out there and you're doing good work and you can put yourself out there in a genuine way, then um, often you don't have to search too hard. Sometimes people are just looking for you. And so that's what happened. Somebody was looking for a choreographer for this group. I didn't know that a year before that I had helped a girl audition to get into the group. And she got in and a year later, the choreographer was leaving. And so they called me mm -hmm. and I went down and I see this group of kids who are every nationality and every age group All the kids. on stage together, <laughs> dancing together, singing these songs. It was back in 2000. They were still doing dances from like 1990. So that was a bit strange. Yeah. Um, but afterwards, You're like I have work here. I do. I was like, this is incredible. Like I've never seen this many kids together, mm. kind of hugging and laughing with each other, supporting each other, dancing together, singing and trying to encourage other people to do better. And it could be with anything, um, your schoolwork. Um, lately, it's been a lot for us. It's been about your self-esteem mm -hmm. and, and how you carry yourself and being okay with who you are. So that's a big portion of it to me. I think that's what's helping these kids become better people is that you can come into the group as an awkward weirdo and leave as the coolest person ever. And that's just reinforcing the fact that we believe well, in what your choices are. still getting to be are. an awkward weirdo if you want. You Absolutely, know. because yeah. sometimes those awkward weirdos are the coolest people yeah. ever. Yeah. The fact that you are an awkward weirdo and you just don't realize that that's actually very cool. Yeah, yeah. That is the part that that is the transformation that happens for a lot of kids in the, in the Happiness Club. Well, I wanted to ask you about that because everything that we've, you know, we've been on events together that I've produced mm -hmm. and I've seen, you know, and it's always love, but I always see y'all in this outward facing mode of you're the ones on stage, you're the ones performing. Insert happiness club here. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. And, and it's always, you know, exciting and energy goes through the roof. But I can tell because of the stories like Damon shared and Kaina and all that, that that's like a tiny portion of the value of this. Yeah, right? that's the that's the commercial. So when on you, the inner workings, what is that? Like, you, how do you think about that? Yeah, when you bring us out, you get to see the 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 manifestation of all the work that goes into that. So on a weekly basis, every Sunday from 11 to four, unless it's a holiday, we are together. Um, they are singing, uh, working on songs. We're always trying to come up with stuff that we know people need to hear about. You know, we're not trying to be corny in any way. Like back in the day, things were real like, it takes a village to raise a child. Don't do drugs. You know what I mean? Go to school. Exactly. Your mom gonna tell you the right things to do. And we can't <laughs> do that, can we? Because we will be laughed off stage by most of the young people of this world. So we have to find ways to connect with them that won't make them feel, um, A, like we're not cool. Yeah. Um, B, like we're not talking about something that, that they actually want to discuss and want to talk about. And C, we got to offer some solutions. We can't just state the problems all the time. Like we have to come up with ways for them to handle the things that they're dealing with. So as a way to deal with stress, we've got a song called Shake That Stress Off. And it's all about dancing and moving around and not using stress as a way to get yourself in worse trouble. Mm. Because young people often need ways to figure things out. Yeah. Some of them have anger management issues like that stuff matters. Some of them are in therapy. That matters. Some of them are not in therapy and should be. That matters. Some of them have great home lives. Some of them do not. Some of them have parental support. Some of them do not. Um, and all of that is is big group of kids that I have to manage. And, and it matters to me that they count on me for it um, and that they trust me with it. And I have to be super honest and I have to be really diligent with a lot of them because everybody is not on the same spectrum at all. Mm -hmm. So it really means a lot to me that they invest so much time in trying to show other kids that they can be positive role models. Yeah, That's so not an easy thing to do in this day and age to be okay with being a positive role model. Yeah. And how do you balance the knowledge of all the different things that people, you know, a teacher has 35 kids in a classroom and it's hard enough that way, but it you is. see them every day. Mm -hmm. You're seeing them, you know, Sundays from 11 to four. Yeah. 
how do you try to keep up with the different needs? Or do you say like, I know that I won't be able to give every kid everything they need? I rarely say that. And I, and I should say that because that's probably where I get disappointed. And if I fall short, I get disappointed because I don't remind myself that I can't help everyone. Often, um, I don't even have that thought in my brain. I deal with it as it comes um, because I don't know any other way to do it. I feel like it would be way too much for me to sit back and look at the entire group and try to assess what everyone needs. It's sort of a need as it comes basis. That's how it is. So every week, there could be one kid that comes up to me that needs to talk to me. And that means we're outside of rehearsal for 15, 20, maybe 30 minutes, sometimes an hour discussing whatever it is they need to discuss. And that's been everything. Cause it's again, 18 years. I've had kids who've had to talk about um, abuse. I've had kids who've had to talk about just school and bullying. I've had kids who've had to talk about wanting to harm, harm themselves, cut themselves. I've had kids who talk about eating disorders um, and I'm a mandated reporter, so it's hmm. difficult to navigate yeah. when it's necessary to involve authorities or even parents because I want them to trust me. I don't want to break their trust. And that can be difficult depending on what they're talking to me about. And so, so far it's been, you know, we're okay. So far it's good. I haven't ever had to call the ambulance or anything. For those who don't know, yeah. what is what is yeah. mandated reporter? A mandated what, reporter is I mean, I know, but. someone who uh, works with youth and is required to report uh, anything that is a sexual abuse or suicide or something that can harm um the person can harm themselves or is being harmed in, in their, in their safe zone. And that can be wherever they is. If it's at school, if it's at home, if it's in their neighborhood or their community, if anybody were to ever tell me that they want to kill themselves or that they're being sexually abused or physically abused, I'm mandated to report that to who, um, to the hotline number that they give me. I'm supposed to call a certain number and report the incident. And I have to be on call later to report the incident, fill it out and wait for further steps. Hmm. Normally after I report it, they take me out of it and then investigate on their own. Um, and that can be very difficult too, because that yeah. can lead to kids being taken out of their homes. Like People it's a serious thing. Yeah. It's a serious thing. And and you don't even, you know, just from one thing that a kid can tell you, you don't know the dynamics of everything that's going on in their home. So it can be really hard to have to make that call or make that decision. And, and, and you know, you're in the business of helping kids heal, exactly. right? And, exactly. And creating that escalation is not always, but also there's very, you know, that's, I can imagine that's a really complicated. It is. That's, this is reason I drink wine. Oh, a that lot. seems like a good response. <laughs> I, I drink a lot of wine. I should have you, stopped. You wine and walk. With like Graffino and like Barefoot and all these people out here that, depending on my budget, like where I'm at. You should get that sponsorship for your youth dance group. Santa Margarita, <laughs> can you hear me? Santa Margarita, Pinot Grigio, can you hear me? Um, anyways, I try, to, I, try to, I try to keep a goblet at home so that I can detox. Is that weird? Okay. No, but it's yeah. not weird. It's not, <laughs> it's not detox. <laughs> It's actually toxic. It's toxic as hell. You're, you're toxic. I'm trying to, I'm, you know, I got to let it go. Toxic. I got to let the day go. I can't take it home because I do have my own children as well. Ah, you know, I've got right. three kids that, that need me and need me on a, on a daily basis. And, um, and I can't, I can't neglect them, even though I have hundreds of other kids that definitely want to talk to me or need me for a second, need me to listen. Sometimes that's all it is, is you just need to listen yeah. um, and offer some condolences or offer some love or offer a hug or tell somebody that it's going to be better and it's going to be okay. 
And um, there are a lot of adults in these young people's lives that have failed them. And that is where a lot of us are stepping in. You spoke about Jacinta and Jaquanda. And I don't know if you guys have talked to Lady Soul yet, but um, and even Kevin, like these are all people who have decided with their careers to sort of get their hands dirty with the young people in Chicago that need assistance and need some more support because they're not getting it. Um, where it should naturally come from. And that to me, in all honesty, without hurting nobody's feelings, is in the home. If you're not getting it at home, you're not getting it in your house and you go outside, you're going to be broken when you get outside. You're not going to be able to navigate your situations the same way that you would if you don't have the kind of support that you should get when you get home. Um, mm. And that is something that we have to fix. And I can't fix parenting. I can't fix your mom and your daddy. But often, and you can't fix the, the even bigger structures than that. Oh, my gosh. If we go into the bigger structures, we'll be here for four hours because that's something that as a community we have to get involved with yeah. to fix. That takes all the adults in, in the neighborhoods to go structurally change everything that's systematically set up against and our minimum, communities. And at minimum, that's just a long podcast. You know, that's just a lot <laughs> long-ass podcast right there. Sorry, FCC. <laughs> no, we're not sorry. Also, that's allowed. You're allowed oh. to say ass, but you can't say the part of your body that's in your ass. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. Okay, I'm going to keep that on hold. <laughs> yes. you know, in your pocket. Yeah, we got yeah, some yeah. more talking to do. <laughs> yeah. uh, so, I didn't get you in trouble. So, yeah, there's a, couple, a lot of things that I want to ask after hearing that. Yeah. But I think predominantly, I, I'm, I'm curious about how mothering and motherhood has intertwined with this work, which is like a, a secondary type of mothering. Yeah. Uh, because, you know, you kind of... The, the the familiar trope is like the dad who's the coach yeah. or like the teacher who's the, the parent who's like the science teacher. And yeah. it's usually like there's some awkward narratives or some tensions to that. Yeah. Uh, my perception is that it has been like pretty harmonious mm-hmm. for you. Mm-hmm. Uh, but but how has um, this work intersected with or reflected your mothering and then vice versa? And, and how have you found that balance with your actual children who I think are participants? Makes, yeah, they are actually. All, all three of them. Well, not Jackson. He's five. He's kind of antisocial. <laughs> um, but Alan grew up in the Happiness Club. He's been in it since he was three. He will be 18 this year. And he has become, a, yeah, he's become a phenomenal dancer. And he's actually uh, working with Ian Eastwood. And, and wow. he's uh, done things with Chance as well. And is friends with Vic Mensa, like, dude is, you know, he's out here. So I'm proud of him. I think the, it's made all the difference. Me being a mom makes me think about these kids in a way that if you didn't have children, you wouldn't have some of the same concerns. Um, If you don't have kids and a kid comes up to you and that kid is hurt by a choice that you made or a decision, uh, something that somebody else said in the group or them feeling awkward because they don't have the material the same way that somebody else has or any of these little things that can be just insecurities. Mm -hmm. When you don't have children, you don't have the same empathy for what it is that they could go through. Like when you got a kid and it's your kid, you're going to go to bat for that kid. Mm -hmm. You know, like if my son comes up to me and tell me somebody said, I'm almost ready to fight. So (laughs) my mom is still mad at Ernest Glassby from from sixth grade. (laughs) She probably walked past her on the street like that. She didn't forget. So it's just, she doesn't, you don't forget because it's your baby, it's your child and, and it's your job to sort of care for that child. And if you're that kind of mom, then you would be that way with almost every young person that you come in contact with if they're worth your time. And and often young people are always worth your time. Mm-hmm. Very rarely do you meet a kid that you just like, mm, nah. too late, <laughs> too late. Normally they're in high school. They're probably 15 or 16 years old. And, you know, they've been living a certain way for a very long time. And there's not much you can do at this point to sort of interject. Sometimes you can, sometimes you can't. But being a mom has made all the difference. I, I work with people who, I'll talk about Brandy for two seconds. Brandy just became a mom. She's got a little girl now who's about, I think she's eight months old. 
And already it's changed her because last year when she didn't have a child, Brandy would be like, out of my face. No, I don't have time. Don't tell me about it. Get back to work. Just dance. Shut up and dance. So like their issues were not that important to her. Right. Now that she's got a kid, her patience is changing. Mm-hmm. Her ideals about what she should be um encouraging and not encouraging is changing the way that she's talking to them is changing like all of it is changing and it all has to do with now you have this little person that you have to think about how you do things in front of what you say in front of the decisions that you make the choices that you make everything that you're doing can affect that young person and And basically just keeping them alive at that point like that it's the same the, the responsibility of like this person will die if i don't pay attention for 20 minutes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's nuts. Two minutes. Yeah. Be by a pool and turn your face for two minutes. <laughs> and you turn around and your baby's in the water. You know, yeah. like it can be shorter than you think. Yeah. Turn your back in the mall because you think you you can just turn around and look at something and your child is lost now yeah. in the mall freaking out because why, you turned why your I'm back. i never taking my kid to the mall or pools. Those are great reasons <laughs> to not do it. Yeah, yeah. You, I would not do it either. Don't leave your baby in the car for five minutes because you think it's okay to run in the store really quick and it's 95 degrees. Mm-hmm. You come back and your child is suffocated in a car seat. This is excellent advice. This is all yeah. things that like, yeah, you know, just you, like nuts and bolts, tangible rules. Don't do these things. Okay. <laughs> At least <laughs> don't do these things. Like and these you, are for the young parents yeah. out there. For the young parents have out you there. considered a parenting podcast? I have Tangible yes. Tangy. Uh, <laughs> it was actually called. Deserve a handshake. Look, Tange Talks to Teens. That's, that's what it was going to be. Tange Talks to Teens was what it was going to be. And it was going to just be like, you know, candid sage advice, um, calling them out on their crap sometimes because that needs to happen, giving them some of the things that I feel like no one told us when we were younger. Um, Like, here's a gem. Uh, When you're 18 and you graduate from high school, it's over. (laughs) No one tells you that it's over. They all congratulate you and they take you out to dinner and they give you your cap and gown and they're all so proud of you. And they don't tell you that, you know, just a month ago, you still had to ask for permission to come back in the house at a certain time. Now you're 18 and you can probably stay out a little bit later, but they want you to have it all figured out now. Where are you going to school? If you're going to school, if you're not going to school, where's the job? Do you have a job? If you don't have a job, you're not living here. Like everything <laughs> changes. You go from being everybody's sweet little baby to the minute you graduate, you are a grown up that has to have it figured out. Exactly. And if you don't, you are now um, a loaf on my couch that has to get out. Like I, you're not going to do this. And not only what school are you going to, when you go to school, do you know what you're going to school to go to work for? for? Yeah. <laughs> you, have you have to show up to school out. with what you want to study. And they don't, <laughs> most people or parents or whatever, I don't know what happens to parents once they have children and they, they forget what it was like for them when they were 17 or 18. You don't have it figured out at 17 or 18 years old. When you went to your first year of college, you probably went and you probably changed your mind 1,700 times. You had to figure out how to get yourself up on time, get to class on time, navigate through these parties, still be social, still find some money, not beg your parents every month for a care package. It was insanity. And this was your first time on your own. Yeah. And no one sets you up for what that's actually going to be like, which is why so many kids fail in their first year. So let's get specific. You, you said the you pronoun a lot, but let's let's I'm going to put it back on you. Put it back on me. Where that sounds like based out of your own personal experience. No, never went to college. OK, how about so that? That kind of understanding of it where that's just from working with people who have gone through. That? Yes. Working with them and watching them do it, watching them fail. So let's let's go pre that age then. Yeah. Where uh, where'd you grow up? What are like the way I like to ask this question is what are some of the like sights and sounds of your block, of your house, of your neighborhood? What are the the songs playing? What are the smells in the air? Oh my gosh. I'm gonna credit my mom and my dad for all of the 
uh, R&B and jazz and the Earth, Wind and Fire and the Stevie Wonder and the Anita Baker and the Sade and the and the and the Parliament and the and the Michael Jackson and the Golden Era. R&B. You feel me? Yeah. And the shoot, my mom was like <laughs> Phyllis Hyman and and Najee. My dad's a jazz freak, so John Coltrane and Miles Davis and um, I grew up listening to really, really, really good music. Uh, I grew up watching my mom clean the house to nothing but music. I grew up in Bronzeville. I grew up in Hyde Park. I grew up in I grew up in almost every Southside neighborhood. I was even in the hundreds at one point on 103rd, 10 East 103rd Street when I was the youngest. Mm. Um, so almost every Southside neighborhood. And then as I got older, I still moved to every neighborhood. I lived in Inglewood for five years. Um, I'm in Woodlawn now. I'm a Southside girl though, born and bred. Shout out, shout out to the Southside. I always, I, my perception was always that the the club had like North Side roots. Nope, that's what's up. Never, <laughs> never. <laughs> yeah. Always Southeast too. Like Inglewood was the first time I moved on the other side of the tracks, but True. and that was tough. How'd you <laughs> how'd you start dancing? Uh, I was a gymnast first, and I was very mediocre at it. I was in grammar school. I was always bust out of my neighborhood. My family, especially back in the 80s, was a firm believer that I should not go to school in my own neighborhoods because they didn't treat the kids the same. The education wasn't the same. So I was one of those kids that would get bust to the white schools. I went to Ferdinand W. Peck from first through Where's that at? sixth grade, 59th and Hamlin, Polish neighborhood. I used to get bust over there. I would be like one of the only black kids in my class. Mm-hmm. Um, so I grew up doing that for a while. And then when I hit like sixth, seventh grade, I really wanted to go to my neighborhood school, and that school was Carnegie on the south side. Carnegie's like on 60-something. and What is that? It's east. Ugh, not Woodlawn. Kimbark, mm-hmm. something like that over there. And I went there for seventh and eighth grade, and um, my mom showed some pictures. She was taking dance class over in Hyde Park with this woman named Harriet Davis, who I recently ran back into. And uh, she showed my pictures to her, and she was like, oh, she's a gymnast. Wow, look at her back. And she was like, she should take dance class. And my mom asked me if I wanted to try it, and I did. And I was only nine years old, and I went and took my first ballet class, and I kind of never looked back after that. I knew gymnastics wasn't it because I really couldn't do that flip-flop thing. Mm -hmm. I couldn't understand how to keep my arms straight. I used to hit my head every time. So even though I was flexible and, like, my favorite was the um, floor exercise, but that's pretty much dancing. If you yeah, that's the, is that the one? Yeah, that's the one where you're like yeah. you're you're doing tricks and all, but there's dancing in between. <laughs> yeah. So that was my favorite thing to do. And once like, I found what if, dancing, what if I just cut out the flips. Yeah, cut out the flips and just learn to spin and, and dance serious. and jump yeah. and leap. And that was it. So I went from Harriet Davis, a little bouncy floor. Yeah, and, some, and then I auditioned for Mariah Carey um, and a ribbon. And we go. Oh no, the ribbon's probably a, a the ribbon was cute. It was cute. <laughs> that was rhythmic gymnastics. Yeah, yeah. But um, the rhythm, the ribbon was cute. But I was once I found dancing, I sort of stuck with that and I was technically trained for a long time with just ballet modern and jazz because there was no hip-hop yet that form of dance had not been created in that way or coined in that way I should say because the only real form of hip-hop dance is break dancing ladies and gentlemen so if you don't know how to break dance that's a that's a oh that's that's a big claim yeah yeah so I I understand what you're saying about like when people have like hip-hop dance classes Mm -hmm. but there are so many other dance forms that Mm -hmm. aren't break dancing that are not Hit, quote hip hop dance mm-hmm. class and you're saying like are they all derived from break so I think about like and maybe this is just me being a trans but I think about like footwork and being yeah. in that lineage you yeah think about that it is in that lineage yeah. I think the lineage is important I think like the original form of hip hop dance was break dancing that was the element that people skip over not skip mm-hmm. over but like as far as where hip hop dance is now mm-hmm. that is contrived that is like 
street dancing and jazz dancing smushed together. Yeah. And they call it hip hop because they didn't know what else to call that style once it became popular. Mm-hmm. But that shit came from uh, Janet Jackson and Paul Abdul mm-hmm. and those videos that started mm-hmm. to have dancers behind them. And they were all doing jazz. It wasn't mm-hmm. hip hop yet. They started adding street dancing and popular street dances with the jazz dance and then it became okay now what is that yeah. okay and so now they just started calling it hip-hop because they didn't know what else to call it so yeah. it has been pretty wild you know we do this touring thing where i'm like emailing professors and people on campuses to bring us in so one of the keywords that i search is like hip-hop and scholarship so like college hip-hop and like 96 percent of the things that come up are like hip-hop dance classes at you know saint olaf you know like crazy right (laughs) like that is a thing that exists even in the academy that has nothing to do in the dance community as well they fight about it all the time like what's authentic what's not um what's acceptable what's not even the way that it's the same argument that's in um hip-hop as far as rap is concerned where there's this big argument about what is rap now as Mm -hmm. versus what it was then and that whole old school to new school head it's the same thing happening in the dance community old school heads want everybody to remember like how class is supposed to be taught studying and practicing like that specific style like a lady soul has been practicing dance hall for about 15 16 years now she takes it extremely seriously that's not something she feels like you should dabble in it's something you should study and pay attention to that style and if you're going to do that style do that style you mentioned footwork same thing chicago footwork is stapled there's a technique to it there's a way to do it there's arms to it there's all of that and it should be respected for what it is so you can't come in and dibble dabble and like take elements of it and just throw it in there without really respecting what the work has gone into to develop that style yeah you gotta let the poppers pop and the breakers you do (laughs) same thing like i hate this my pet peeve i used to have um I used to have women come to me like, I want to pop and lock. And I'm like, stop saying that. Like, there's popping and there's locking. There's no pop locking. No one does that. There's either popping or locking. It's two different things. The same thing. I like, like how you kind of popped and locked when you were explaining the difference. Like, I'm a very like, visual person. I'm sorry you guys can't see me. Radio. <laughs> it's like, you can't see me, but I was popping and locking. So, I-, I love the opportunities we have. You've actually been spinning on your head for like four <laughs> No one can tell. I'm very I love, talented. I love when we get opportunities to talk about hip hop dance up here because I think hip hop is like, not just a staple in our lives, but other show. Uh, and for me personally, the dance element was, you know, as a kid born in 92, growing up 90 South Side, like the, the, the dance element was, (laughs) was not really like present. Yeah. For me, like outside of like, you know, footwork and, and, you know, stuff that was happening at like basement parties, like as an intentional part of hip hop, I don't think that that was like, there was access to it. Mm -hmm. And so I've had to like learn it. Yeah, about the history, like as I've gotten older, and my thought as like it kind of like cemented actually at Amir's birthday party was that I think we are in a we will look back at this as like a a high point in hip hop dance. Absolutely, it is at this time both like the most like aesthetically dynamic and pleasing while also being very accessible. And I'm talking about like the the like hitting the folks to the dab to like the nay nay to like all of the things that like the the sequences that get made out of what the moves are right now. Like as opposed to like the snap like five to ten years ago, which was accessible but kind of whack, you know. Yeah, and still and still relevant though. Like those are the exact things I'm talking about. Like those sort of cultural street dances that happen um, in and around your friends that you mm-hmm. come up with that then get injected into like regular culture and everyone's doing it and still into choreography and all of that stuff. It all yeah, matters. All created at gas sta- outside of gas stations in Atlanta. By the <laughs> Definitely. <up> to- <laughs> like all of that <laughs> stuff is relative. It's all matters. It's the same as like in my generation, we had the snake and we had the Reebok right. and we had the cabbage patch. Like all of those were just outside street dances we what did with one another. I don't know that. The one. Reebok? You know the Reebok. <laughs> I don't know the it's Reebok. the one where you step oh, forward okay. and then That's turn the around. I, step I, forward I don't think 
and turn around. I don't know if I knew that was the Reebok. And turn around. Yes, that's a Reebok. And I think people knew exactly, like, that turn around is. They know these dances. They tried to steal the running man and change it to some other thing. I was like, that's not the running man. It had to be tough. But, but, in that claim about what's happening today, how how are you seeing where hip hop dance is right now as a as a practitioner? And I guess I'm trying it? to be more of the middle ground mediator um, because I definitely understand where where the OGs are coming from, and I'm considered one of those now as an OG, and I definitely see all of the talent that the young people have. I I want to be more of a conduit between the two as opposed to um, sitting on one side or the other, and I think that's where my talent lies is kind of bringing people together mm-hmm. as opposed to. Um, putting my picket sign up on one side and being mad at the younger people. I'm way more like you guys, yes, pay attention to how we were doing it because it's the only reason why you're able to do it as easily and as, as, as well as you can do it now. Like you, we didn't have, I had to really work hard to teach, you know what I mean? And to gain a following. I didn't have YouTube. I didn't have, you know, I didn't have all this social media stuff. I legitimately had to make flyers, get out, you know, go to different spaces and teach and just sort of get my name around in different neighborhoods and build my rep that way and build my resume up. It didn't come from likes and it didn't come from views. It didn't come from any of that. It's so much like that, that I have to transfer my brain now <laughs> to do what it is that they're doing, you know, and to make myself be more conscious about social media because people ask me all the time, I go, come take my class. Like, can we videotape? And I'm like, oh, all right. Yeah. You want to videotape? Like, I don't think of those things because it's not <laughs> what I had to do to get to where I am, but it is something that you have to think about now. It's completely different. And specifically with dance. Like, yeah. It does seem like, you know, obviously being able to share a song on social media or share your DJ mix or, you know, your visual art, that revolution. But specifically, like the idea of these dance moves going viral and then like that kid is on Ellen or, fuck, uh-huh. you know, Paul Ryan is dabbing. Like, uh-huh. That is wild. Uh-huh. <laughs> you know, I guess like break dancers performed in front of Reagan. So like they were co-opting it then too. But, but they weren't paid. You know what I mean? Like they didn't get deals. They didn't right. get sponsorship. They weren't they weren't uh, JC Penny companies coming to pay them for it. There weren't shows like So You Think You Can Dance that even though you're in a competition, you're still on TV, so you're still making a good couple thousand dollars for every right. episode and for every week that you're there and being put up in hotels and like the the idea that just to want to be a dancer is not something to laugh about anymore. Yeah. Like and you're not a background dancer either. Exactly. That's like your options or, are incredible. Or have to go through like the institutions of ballet and like... Exactly. Yeah. I have to be technically trained. I have to go through a dance company. I have to have tenure. I have to have to be a professor. I have to get a college degree. Like all of those things are out the window now. It's right. not necessary. It's all about like your your level of talent. Um, definitely your ethics and your work ethic and how how you work with people that matters still. Thank God that still matters. <laughs> that thank God that still matters. And and then yeah, now it's all about your views because now there are certain teachers out here who won't get hired if their if their Instagram or their Twitter or their whatever isn't at a certain amount of likes. I've yeah. I've got professional friends who tour with people who have been told. Oh, we don't wanted you to come out, but your Instagram isn't up to where we think it should be, and they've been passed over. These are people that dance with Chris Brown <laughs> and <laughs> Janet, and their resume should speak for itself, but their Instagram ain't up yeah. to where it should be. So they got passed over. Like, are you kidding me right now? But that's the world we live in. It is the world we live in. You should follow us on Instagram at Ergo. <laughs> you feel me? Dance Sanch. <laughs> all day, all day. But, but I want to jump to what you were saying is the like, thank God that still matters. Because, yes. because it's mm. something that. You know, it, it was the way I interviewed <coughs> today. It's the way I wrote the description for you on the website. Is like, you are the warmest spirit that I have met in my four years here. Oh. And not just toward me, someone who like 
you didn't have to know. Like, what am I, chopped liver? No, just, no. <laughs> just, you are not. No, no, yeah, I'm joking. Damon, you my know, my spirit's I, not that warm. Go ahead, continue, continue the praise. You're the you're the warmest co-host. <laughs> I'll, I'll take that. It matters. But I watch you like, and it goes kind of to what you were saying before. Like, I watch you make the choice to be warm and positive over and over and over and over again because it is a choice and it's sometimes yes. exhausting yes as is being negative but i'm curious for you like is that positivity the same thing as optimism where does it, where does that drive to continue to shine light at people regardless of who they are where does that come from for you god absolutely god it's not me on my own it is um it is an energy it's energy that I see. It's energy that's in me. It's energy that wakes me up. Um, it's energy that gives me emails or phone calls that ask me to do things like this. It's a, it's a young people that show up all the time that need whatever. Um, I don't want to fail any of them. I had support in my life. I have two amazing parents. And whether they went through whatever trials of being together, not being together, being back together, they were always there for me, yeah. um, even when it was tough. They made mistakes, but they also two of the greatest people that I know. And I know everyone doesn't have that. I know everybody doesn't have a portion of Keith to call or um, aunts or uncles who will talk to them. They don't have T.T. Tangy talking to teens. They don't have Tangy talking to teens, but they do now. And so I feel like if if a lot of our young people had the support that they need, even if it was just to pick up the phone and vent to somebody or to pick up the phone and be able to ask a question or to come down to the studio and tell me what it is that they're afraid of and have somebody look them dead in their face and go, you have a right to be afraid of that. But here's why you shouldn't be too afraid because things are going to work out for you. It's just a matter of your belief system. And I'm a firm believer in what you put out is what you get back. If you're going to put out a bunch of negativity, then be prepared for all of it to come right back at you and for you to be stuck in that same little bubble of negative cloud. Like it won't leave you if that's where you fester. But if you breed positivity, if you put out positivity, if you are optimistic, if you do have options and you have goals and you talk to people with purpose, um, if you put out nothing but love and energy, then that will be the kind of energy that you get back most of the time, most of the time. And that's connected to God to you? Yes. And again, as in much whatever as little form. as you want to share. Like, I mean, what, in whatever yeah, form. I wouldn't consider myself religious I would because I don't know scriptures and I don't quote the Bible. Um, I would consider myself yeah, spiritual. Up minutes, you haven't quoted the Bible once. Not one time. <laughs> I can't do it. I won't do it. I won't do it. Um, but I am a very spiritual person. I do feel energies from people. I definitely feel like I don't want my spirit or my being around a lot of negativity. Um, I don't want to feed that to the young people around me. I think there's enough of it. I think they don't get enough positive reinforcement. I don't think they get enough love. I don't think people put their arms around these kids and tell them that they matter, um, that they're beautiful, that they're talented, that they're creative, that they can do anything that they put their minds to. And when you don't hear that enough or don't hear it at all, it can damage your spirit and you'll grow into a Scrooge. You'll grow into um, a murderer. You'll go into anything that you are around will manifest what you become. Hmm. So if you are in Inglewood, and you go outside and all you do is sit on your porch and talk to your friends who are not doing anything either except selling drugs or thinking about the next person that they can rob or who got some in their house that they can go stain or which chick you want to go hit up next. 
and not thinking about what you could be doing to make your community better, what you be doing to make yourself better, um, how you can make some legitimate money, how you can take care of which one of them babies is on the porch that probably is yours with a diaper on. If you're not thinking about how to make your situation better and all you're thinking about is how to stain the next person, then you're in that cycle that's just going to keep perpetuating. And that's a very sad existence. But that comes from not having anybody around you that will motivate you to do anything different. Hmm. And those doors are there. They're all over Chicago. We got too many free programs all over the place. And we got not enough parents who are putting their children or their teens into programming that can help them do something different. So we have to make better choices as young people, especially in our own communities. And sometimes those choices are offered to you and you don't take them because you haven't been shown that that's what you should do. Man, I really wish we had more time to go deeper down that train of thought. But on the to be tangible with Tangie, yes. <laughs> um, as somebody who's creating one of the most dynamic spaces that like addresses that um, that void that you were just like depicting that safe space. Uh, um, how, what is the capacity that y'all have for taking in young people? And if somebody doesn't know you or isn't like connected to the network, you know, is it possible right now or in the coming seasons uh, for folks to, to get their, the young people in their lives connected to the work that you do? Yes. Uh, happiness clubs. How <laughs> the happiness club has a uh, website is happinessclub.com. You can contact me through the happiness club. It actually says contact Tangie. You can do that. Um, you can also reach me at the Happiness Club Chicago at Gmail. We're on all social media. It's free. This is a 501c3. It does not cost to participate. And we offer service learning hours to any CPS students who are involved. Uh, we are taking in new members as of now. Uh, we're looking for vocalists primarily. So if you're a rapper or a singer, male or female, we are really looking for you. The highest amount of kids we've ever had in a group is maybe 75. And that was insane. <laughs> so I try not to go that big. So I try to, I'm not kidding. That was a crazy year. Um, yes. We had a lot of kids that, that like year. Oh it my was God. insane. So uh, I try not to go above 50. 45, 50 is about where we're at Even right now. That, I remember there was some, I think it was the, the LTAB benefit that I was helping to produce a couple years back at yeah. Black Ensemble Theater in Uptown. And y'all were performing. And I was talking to Kaina, this is when she was working on it with me. And, uh, she was like, yeah, you're going to need to like black out some seats for happiness. Club. I was like, oh, cool. Like, you know, how many you need? Like three, five. She goes, no, no, we're going to need like 50. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's like, this is a 175 seat theater. <laughs> yeah. It, it goes down. Shout out to Mariah, by the way, from YCA and Kevin Coble. They know if they invite me anywhere, they're going to have to block off like a nice chunk a, of seats. Who can we get building. to fill this up? Call Tangie. She's got like 175 kids. Dance crew slash yes. good for papering yes. an unsold theater. And so as well as Happiness Club, that is a, that's a year-round program, but it's an out-of-school thing. So that's only on the weekends and we do shows on the weekends or during the summer we get really busy. Um, so that doesn't conflict with school in any way but uh, after school matters is another way that you can find me or connect with me i run every high def dance ensemble and there are four there are two special needs dance ensemble programs under high def one beginner level on the south side at 47th at the Harold washington cultural center and then advanced is at gallery 37 those are also free programs if you're 14 to 18 you can sign up uh the applications Damn, are open right now you just missed it Danny. <laughs> kiss can't come um oh, that's so you can visit <laughs> And we'll dance for you. Uh, if you're 14 to 18, uh, male or female, again, and you're into dancing, you can sign up for any of the high def dance ensembles at afterschoolmatters.org. And uh, those programs start in February, and those are paid apprenticeships. So these are ways that kids can make money for being a part of these programs. And it is 
extreme dance instruction. So if you're a beginner level, you can get great instruction. If you're advanced, I got you. And if you're special needs as well, and you go to Southside Occupational, we can help you out in those ways too. Um, And then my last but not least is if you are 17 and older, because I was starting to have a what now? Like, what do I do with the kids who are 18, 19, 20, 21 that are still in the city that still want to do something? And that is where Blue Rhythm came in. And Blue Rhythm is a two-part thing. Blue Rhythm crew is an exhibition crew. They dance, they perform at most of the functions or conventions that happen in and around Chicago from world dance to urban night to prelude, um, taste of Chicago, like anything that comes up and they still want to perform and they are at the college age level or older, uh, blue rhythm is for you. And blue rhythm collective is more of a theatrical experience. That is not just for dancers. It's dancers, singers, songwriters, artists, anybody that I like that I think is talented. Um, that is, was again, 17 and up that want to make money and have a new space for art the collective is for you and thank you to lyric opera and mma and like mariah and marty and everybody out there who helped me get the collective going because it's been about two years now and we just had a huge show at harris theater because i won that competition for lyric opera and chicago voices shout out along with kuban links kuban links got that too it was three winners kuban links blue rhythm and the yolo bloomers and we all got to produce a show at harris theater it was incredible. Yeah, cool. It was incredible. It was incredible. <laughs> it was crazy. So so we're winding down. Yes. Uh, and so, but we could just talk forever. Yeah, so yeah, thank yeah. You. So thank you for that. That was very important. Ah, so thank you for having me. Please sign up. But there is one last thing we have to do. It is, okay. It is a game. It is a question. Um, for the the ergo faithful who have been listening, we we had a little precursor, a little foreshadowing to it. So I'm excited to hear what you have to say. Okay. Uh, But this is the cornerstone of the work we do up here at Ergo Radio. And it's all about accountability. And there's a sect of the world that I believe, at least in my lifespan, uh, and I want to trace the roots of it, has run amok. Okay. And and that group is R&B singers. Mm. And so every week we like to invite our, our the important work that we're doing is creating this database. Okay. And every week we like to invite our guests to start beef with okay. an R&B singer. Hmm. Because unlike hip hop, there is no accountability. And so <laughs> we, we we think is we think there's beef in these streets. Oh. And so an R&B singer from any era, Motown to somebody your, your kids are listening to right now. Dang, I got any artist beef. and why? Ooh, R&B too. R&B beef. Damn. All right. Um Damn, I'm going to pick Chris Brown. Classic. Fantastic. Yes. I'm going to pick Chris Brown. I'm going to pick Chris Brown because I had a lot of hope for that dude. Mm -hmm. You know, back Mm -hmm. in the day, kind of like I did for Kanye. Like, I had a lot of hope for these cats. Mm. And um, I'm being slowly, slowly disappointed. Um, Or just continually. I don't know. Yeah, it can. (laughs) You know, with every project, you know, you get your hopes back up. (laughs) Especially with Chris Brown because he makes a lot of dance music. And and, and I will, I'll give you shout outs for, you know, for constantly um, having great dancers behind you. Um, I do hear that you might want to treat them better, but that's, mm, that's sidebar too. That's probably a, not another reason why I got beef is because I do want people who utilize dancers and, and need them for their yeah, shows. Not accessories. Yeah, yeah. Treat them better. You know, um, do what JT did, not to bring up Justin Timberlake, but. Become he, a country singer? No, no, no. He actually, he actually fought for his dancers to have a union mm-hmm. and treats them amazingly. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Like he pays them a certain amount. They, uh, they have insurance. Like he did a whole lot for his dancers that he took 
on tour with him oh, for all cool. those years. And that's unprecedented. Like nobody else has ever wow. done that for their dancers. And I think it's because he appreciates them and he dances along with them. So he gets the work that goes into it. Chris dances too. Chris is a dancer. Chris is more of a dancer than he is a singer to me. So yeah. I would think that he would have the same kind of respect. Than either of those. You know what I mean? Yeah. So we got beef. Those are, yeah. yeah, I, yeah. I don't, you Chris know, Brown is in the rafters, but he deserved, he deserved a new edition. As a man, you know, step up. All right. So we got to get out of here. <laughs> we apologize to all sports for running long. We but, do. Sorry, sorry, sports. This is WHBK. We are Ergo Radio at Ergo Radio. Com. I'm uh, at Ergo Daniel. I'm at Damon underscore. And AF. they're both super cute. Oh, your social media real quick. Yes. Um, everything. Dance Tange is everything. Dance Tange. Dance Tange. Dance Tange. Right. Dance, dance. We got to get up out of here. We're going to be back next week. Absolutely. We'll, mm. uh, we'll talk to you then with another conversation from Chicago and beyond. Much love to the stand people. Up. Shout out stand up. Peace. <laughs>